everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Voices of a Healthy Ocean series. I am your co-host, Jenna Valente. And I'm your co-host, Sarah Winter Whelan. And last time you heard from us, we were sitting on a beach at Gateway National Recreation Area on Staten Island, chatting with Matt Cardona about the power of story sharing and her career path. Since then, we have made our way down the coast to the beautiful city of Baltimore, and we are so excited to be here for many reasons, but most importantly, because we are here with the amazing Shauna Edberg. Shauna is the Director of Conservation Programs for Hispanic Access Foundation, where she leads a team that plans and executes programming to advance national conservation and climate goals while serving Latino communities. And we always look forward to any opportunity where we get to collaborate with Shauna, including today, which is extra special because even though we've spent a lot of Zoom time together. So much. It is the first time we are all physically in the same place. So Shauna, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. It's so funny. I feel like I know you and I have, but it's in such a particular forum. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. It's like crazy to have this like, oh, no, you have depth, right? Like physical depth, (laughs) because all we see is like the front of each other's faces. And maybe when we turn sideways as we're like, you know, doing something else. But it's amazing to see, oh, there's a whole person, right? Attached yeah. It's to- like the face with the Zoom, whatever your Zoom background <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for yeah. meeting with us. And it's a just an absolutely gorgeous summer Baltimore day today. Sure is. Whoop, whoop. Um, So let's kick it off a little bit and talk about where we're going to go today. Uh, What did you choose for us? Um, Where did you choose for us to go? And what are we going to learn when we go out into your piece of nature today, Shauna? All right. So just to set the stage a little bit, right now we are sitting on my balcony looking out into my backyard in the Hamden neighborhood of Baltimore City. It is so lush and green. It really is. And I have the immense fortune to be living right next to Wyman Park, which is a few miles stretch of urban oasis um, with a stream at the bottom of it. And it's just about a quarter of a mile wide maybe less I want to say but wow it really shows how you can do nature in cities and what an incredible resource it is for all the people who live around it and I just really love it and I'm so happy to live here do you have any favorite ways to connect with nature in the city or do you find yourself like sort of venturing out and exploring the wider Chesapeake Bay watershed what are some of your favorite ways to connect with nature Right. So I actually have a disability, an invisible disability, but it's one that limits me from doing a lot of kind of your typical outdoor adventure activities. So my favorite thing to do outdoors is just walk my dog. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we swim in the local rivers, although we have to drive 30 minutes north. Uh, to get to one that's clean to live in. the gunpowder? Gunpowder, yes. yes. Gunpowder is amazing. (laughs) When we were driving down here, the second we basically crossed into the Chesapeake Bay watershed. So for listeners, just some background. I I lived in Annapolis for a handful of years working uh, at the Chesapeake Bay program. And I absolutely loved living in this area. So it was like the second we crossed into the, the watershed, I was like, spouting off all of these fun facts to Sarah. She sure was, (laughs) all the way down. One of them was about how much 
I love the gunpowder and how we used to go float um, and that I wished we had more time to do that today because it is it is quite warm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it just shows how we use like our nearby rivers that this mm. stream that I literally live right next to up uh-huh. the hill from is not swimmable. We have to drive 30 minutes up to get somewhere that's safe to swim. Yeah. yeah. So do you do you find that you connect with the Chesapeake Bay? Like, do you get to go out to the bay a lot? I know that we have like Inner Harbor here and a lot of tributaries that go out to the bay. Um, is there something that you love most about living in the watershed of, for the Chesapeake Bay? Or we can even take it all the way Oceanside. Is there something that you love the most and connect with the most with the ocean? It's funny. I actually grew up in Southern California. And so I was used to having the beach pretty accessible. Um, my yeah. grandparents lived in San Diego and that was always like visit family, go to the beach. Like those two are forever connected in my mind. And I really love the ocean, but here mm. it's a little bit harder to access. So I feel like these local streams are, are how I do that. Um, and it just feels coming from an environment that's more like chaparral, deserty. Mm. It feels like a miracle to have this kind of <laughs> greenery and like yeah, a yeah. water source right by me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about let's maybe stay broad for a couple of minutes before we sort of narrow back in around what does a healthy ocean or a healthy environment mean to you? What does it look like to you? And we love a- asking this question because it's different every the answer is different every time we ask it so it's I can't wait to hear what it means to you what does it look like to you yeah so for me a healthy environment is not just about the environment right it's about Mm. um, where you work and how you live and how you get around so because I live in this like really awesome walkable neighborhood it's really important to me especially because the Latino community is more likely to rely on public transportation, uh, not have access to cars, I think it's really important that folks can access nature and just get around with public transportation, with, you know, their own two feet or their bicycles or what have you without relying on cars, which of course is also, you know, a pretty good climate solution. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think looking at ways like that, that we can really like improve people's lives while also having this awesome environmental benefit and giving people better access to the resources that are around them. That to me is what would make a a really good Mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. And so another fascinating thing that we like to talk about on this show is, is those influences that sort of either we're aware of them as we're going down our career path or, you know, in hindsight, you're like, Oh, that was a really pivotal moment to bring me to where I am today. Did you always know that you wanted to work in in this space or how did that all come to be? What were those big influences that that when you think back on it, you're like, oh, yeah, those are sort of the drivers for me being here now with all of us sitting together podcasting (laughs) about the work we do. Yeah, I always knew that I loved nature, but Mm. it really was not until my late 20s that I even figured out uh, how I wanted to do that. Um, I mean, there's nothing like inevitable about my career path. It was very circuitous. I've worked for local government, actually, in behavioral health. Um, I worked for the World Bank and the Global Environment Facility. I spent a year Mm. teaching in Spain. Um, It seems kind of random, but it brought me to this space where I really 
think about the environment in a very um, broad fashion. And my degree is also in international economics. So I'm always thinking mm -hmm. about like cause and effect mm -hmm. and what yes. are the feedback loops and what leads mm -hmm. to what in ways that we aren't even thinking about that the natural world and the human world intersect and connect. Mm -hmm. And of course it all has to tie back to, to justice and this position that I have with Hispanic Access Foundation, even though I'm, I'm not actually Latina, which is <laughs> kind of a, an interesting spot for me to be in. Mm. But it's a community that I love, that I've worked with for a long time, that I, I married. <laughs> yeah. um, I've studied there, I've worked in Latin America, um, and it just really brings my whole self joy to not just be working for environment, but also for a community that I love and feels like really needs this the support and access that we bring. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that you brought that up of just how interconnected everything is and looking at like this, the systems that are at play and the power that they have and how broken that they are and trying to think of the ways that we can we can improve and and build upon them yeah. to make this a more inclusive and just space. I'm really, really happy that you brought that up. Yeah, it sounds it's so cool to hear how all of these different influences across the space of your life led you to this career at Hispanic Access Foundation. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about what you do at Hispanic Access Foundation and your role there. Yes, I have the absolute joy of leading a team that works across environmental sectors. So of course we work on the ocean, but also on protecting public lands, on addressing the climate crisis and uh, clean waterways and watersheds. And what we do in those areas is we train leaders, we build Latino leaders, give them the resources, the access, the, the peer support and the partnerships mm. um, and the connections with government that they need to make a difference for their communities. Uh, we engage the Latino community, we'll physically bring them outdoors if they're not able to do that because they face a lot of barriers um, with events like Latino Conservation Week, which uh, we just celebrated our Heritage Our Planet Film Week, a film festival that I'm super excited for in October, Latino Advocacy Week, where we try and give Latinos the confidence and the knowledge to really navigate kind of the systems of power and mm. civic engagement that can be very um, not transparent and very kind of closed off and difficult um, in this country. And we bring Latino stories to the forefront, um, to decision makers, so they can see how policies affect this community, as well as to the media, just to show that the environment is not a white issue by any means. Mm -hmm. The Latino community and other communities of color consistently show higher rates of support for uh, environmental policies than other communities. So it's really about getting that information out there and showing how they would be serving this community with policies that also protect our environment and our natural resources and make things better for future generations. Yeah, and I heard you mention a few specific initiatives and events that you all work on. So like Latino Advocacy Week and Our Heritage, Our Planet Film Festival. Um, will, you, will you talk a little bit more in detail about what those are and some of the other initiatives that Hispanic Access Foundation works on, just in case listeners want to learn more and, and get involved in those? 
Sure, I'll start in chronological order with the one coming up (laughs) first, uh, which is Our Heritage, Our Planet Film Week, which takes place at the very tail end of Hispanic Heritage Month. So Mm -hmm. I believe that'll be October 12th to 14th this year, um, also following uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm. And it's it's a film festival. We're really supporting um, not just Latino stories, but the stories of filmmakers of color showcasing how they are connected to the natural world, how their communities are, and what they're doing to address the the problems that we face and we're also going to be bringing in storytellers we're going to have workshops that teach the audience how to bring your own story out if you're an aspiring filmmaker or artist or what have you um, and we're going to bring in decision makers and and call them out and yes. <laughs> have those <laughs> conversations yeah. as awkward as they need to be yeah. <laughs> they need to happen even if they're uncomfortable yeah. they do <laughs> all the time that's really incredible. I um, this won't be the first time that Half has hosted this film fest, right? It's this will be our second year. Yeah. It's virtual and it's free to attend for everyone, um, and you can sign up for it right now if you want to. I'll yeah, <laughs> to go sign up, up for it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listeners, Google it. Google it. Um, <laughs> or go to Hispanic Access Foundation's yeah. website. That's yeah. like a yeah. great start. And you <laughs> should do it because I remember attending last fall, yes. your first one, and I was so moved. Yeah. The films, like there there was one film. It was totally animated. It was, I think, the one about the woman um, in water. Oh, yes. Like, I'm mm-hmm. get, like I have chills on my arms right now thinking about that too. short film. It was yeah. incredible and so pr- just like moving. moving. Yeah, moving is a perfect word for that. So I highly recommend all the listeners get on it, sign up and attend this. It's incredible. Yeah, so what comes up after that? Yeah. The next big annual initiative is Latino Advocacy Week, which is in March every year. And this will be the third annual Latino Advocacy Week. And we are hoping to do a big fly-in, which could be virtual or hybrid, depending on the condition. In the world. (laughs) Right. Um, We hold a lot of trainings and workshops during Latino Advocacy Week and just really encouraging folks to learn how to call their congressperson or even to show up for a local town hall, a city council meeting. Um, Our first year, we had a workshop on recruiting candidates to run for public office. And after that workshop, one of our leaders ran for the mayor of Compton. (gasps) She didn't win, but someday, I mean, that's still a huge step. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so impactful. That's, yeah, it really is. And shows other people that they can do the same too, right? It creates a ripple effect. We talked about this with Mac on the last episode is all the work that you all are doing create these ripples out into the world that impact people far beyond the scope of the thing that you're doing in ways that you don't even can't contemplate until it happens it's hard to measure some of those things we we think about that a lot with healthy ocean coalitions work too is Mm. that community building that you do has such far and wide reaches sometimes that in this space where oftentimes we're we're going for grant funding and Mm -hmm. you're like i'm having a hard time explaining exactly the like massive impact that we're having but it's real and it's Mm -hmm. beautiful to see people grow and sort of step into their own as an advocate and find their voice um 
honestly, that brings me the, the most yeah. joy, the, yeah. the work that we all do in terms of just putting community front and center and, mm-hmm. and uh, building more advocates in the world because we need them. Right. Yeah. So a couple of statistics we like to share for Latino Advocacy Week are that every 30 seconds, a Latino turns 18 and is able to vote. It's a good one for yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, the policymakers in your Especially life. Especially right? with November coming up. Right. It's very <laughs> important. Um, and that I believe only 1% of elected officials in the U.S. are Latino right now, mm-hmm. whereas the population oh. is about 18% Latino. Oh, so wow. imagine yeah. the power if we had 18 times the number of Latino elected officials yep. yeah. who cared about these issues. Yeah. What a difference that could make. And if Congress's makeup was actually reflective of the makeup of the United States. It, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Definitely. Um, and so uh, after that are there more are there more events coming up yes the (laughs) one that we just wrapped up the year never ends for us Um, (laughs) yes I was like well I know there are what a silly way to ask that question (laughs) Um, you're like no we're done (laughs) in July the third week of July every year we celebrate Latino Conservation Week so this is a time where we bring Latinos on trips to the outdoors, doing recreational activities, but also since the pandemic, we've started a lot of online conversations, mm. which end up being just as deep and impactful in a very different way. Um, and we've heard people say, thank you for mm. be- bringing this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know that there were others like me yeah. who wanted to talk about these things. And we bring them that space and we celebrate Latinos and show Mm. all the contributions that this amazing community has made in the conservation world. And it's just a really great time. And I'm kind of still recovering from it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I bet. I can imagine. It's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I know one of the things that we collaboratively all work on is this um, goal to protect 30% of land and waters, which includes the ocean, by 2030. Um, And I wonder if you could just speak a little bit to Hispanic Access Foundation's work in that space around this. For short, for listeners, um, we'll probably refer to it as 30 by 30, so we don't have to say the goal to protect nature by 2030. (laughs) Yes. So Hispanic Access is really interested in this goal because we have research that shows that every 30 seconds, a football field's worth of green space is destroyed in this country. Mm -hmm. It's paved over, it's turned into highways or oil and gas wells or housing developments or what have you. And where this nature destruction is happening is in communities of color. Yeah. It's in black communities, Latino communities, Asian communities, indigenous communities. And it's not happening in white and high income communities. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So when we hear about a policy like 30 by 30, we think this is how we're going to bring nature back to the communities that need them. Mm -hmm. And to bring a tie to here in Baltimore, um, we have neighborhoods here that were destroyed to build the 83 freeway. Yeah, which I might be able to show you a little bit later, but they actually paved it over one of the big rivers that flows into the Chesapeake Bay. All these like beautiful riverside, mm. bayside, yeah. historically black communities yeah. gone <laughs> for a freeway. And yeah. so we need to be able to correct these kinds of injustices and protect what we still have. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's so important. So what would you have listeners know... Um, as some of the most important things about 
this 30 by 30 goal. And then for listeners, there's um, the Biden administration has specifically created this initiative to help in part get there called America the Beautiful. It's this initiative to help the United States get to protecting 30% of lands and waters by 2030. What would you have listeners know um, sort of in the top of their mind when they think about this? What's the most important thing for them as a takeaway? For me, I think the most important thing that is not often talked about is how we can bring in other benefits. Again, like I said, these other structural systemic issues in as we conserve 30% of lands, waters, and ocean. For example, you know, you can't just circle a spot on the map and call it a day. You have to think what communities are actually able to access this space? Mm-hmm. Who is able to get a career in the management and you know the scientific research that comes from having this natural area? 30 by 30 is a chance not just to do what we most definitely need to do in terms of nature protection, but it's also a chance to bring in climate resilience, economic benefits, education, children's education gets a huge lift when there are natural mm. areas nearby, just, and health. Health is such an important part of this conversation. And even the current unending pandemic relates to this. Like mm-hmm. we, yeah. we can be making progress on all of these things at the same time by protecting and restoring nature. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when we're thinking about progress and like all of the amazing work that you all are doing at Hispanic Access Foundation, curious to hear more about like what does success look like like in your vision like what what are you all working toward and what does what does that success piece look like after the progress wow that is such a hard question <laughs> because I was <laughs> as I was asking it I was like I don't even know how I the work is ne- the work is never done <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, that's that's the probably the best way to respond to that is it's never done right like it's not like oh we are successful and it's over yeah. you know so um, there's not a specific answer I'm looking for. <laughs> well, if I can speak in some generalities, I yeah. would say, mm-hmm. you know, every family, every child, every person has nature access near yes. their home. Yes. Every community is able to withstand and bounce back from what we know is, is here and more to come with the climate crisis. Um, and everybody is able to breathe clean air, I think would be a pretty good summary. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah. I think that's what we're working toward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So in all of this conversation so far, we've talked a lot about how your work really um, is structured around and focuses on community and community building. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the power of community through the experiences that you've had, whether it's at Hispanic Access or in your career or in your personal life. Like what is, what does the power of community bring to this work? So all of our work is based on community needs Mm. and wants. And we have a firm belief that communities know what's best for themselves. If you look at the booklet that we recently published, um, which are Latino landmarks that are in need of protection. Um, We have several sites on land, sea, rivers um, that are important to Latino communities, but aren't yet protected officially. Most of those came 
by requests from our community members. Mm. They came to Mm -hmm. us and said, hey, I want to protect this area before the building of the border wall destroys it or cuts off access to the Rio Grande. Um, I have this beautiful area that needs to be protected. I have this place that's important to me. And to me, it's a success even that our communities have the knowledge that they have that power. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in Ooh, our world, yes. we, we talk about, you know, Antiquities Act, uh, sanctuaries, yeah. wildlife refugees, all the different kind of wonky policy tools to accomplish this. But for communities, you can just see the light go on if they know I have a place that's important to me and I can get this place protected. Yeah. yeah, and I have power and I have people that are listening to me and hearing me and respecting my voice and my lived experience and then mm-hmm. taking that, working with me to go do something about mm-hmm. it. Yes. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and feels like that would feel really fulfilling. It is. Yeah. Um, it, so are, is that like one of the more fulfilling parts of your work? Or like what brings you joy through the, the work that you do? Oh, so much of it. Um, from learning things like Margarita Flores, who is the leader who ran for mayor of Compton, to know that we are having that impact on mm-hmm. powerful people like her and pe- the people who will follow her, um, as well as learning that we actually do have policy impact. You know, we can get things introduced in Congress. We can move thing- bills along, you know. I think a lot of folks struggle these days with that feeling of powerlessness you know there's huge global crises going on what can I do about it but that's what you can do about it is you can Mm -hmm. get involved and at the very least do your part Mm -hmm. and not sit idly by yes yeah 100% yeah um this work isn't easy right it's a lot and I wonder um, if you could speak a little bit on sort of the f- both sides of the coin what do you find to be the most challenging in this work and then on the flip side what's the most rewarding part of this work yeah we struggle a lot I think my whole team struggles with overwork um, yeah. we burn yeah out. burnout We're, is real yeah um, and to some extent it is self-inflicted because we all are just so passionate and so excited and we want to do so much and Mm -hmm. have a presence everywhere and we're constantly working to recognize our own limits and make sure that you don't burn out because being rested and healthy and happy and Mm -hmm. still being able to feel that enjoyment from this view and from your visits to the beach is what's going to keep us going for the hard work to come yeah. is actually like having those experiences and feeling mm. what you get from it. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. filling the tank, yep. right? Not letting it get so low that you can't even get restarted when it gets tough. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly easier, at least in my experience. I, I like don't ever want to speak for anybody else, but I feel like it's probably something people will agree with. But like when I take care of myself and set boundaries and take care of my needs, then I'm able to show up for my community and the work that I do in mm. such a more present way Yeah. than if I just keep pushing past my body's signs that I need to slow down um, and then get to a place where I'm feeling burnt out. Mm-hmm. Because I get that, you know, I think all of us put so much into the of our own personal selves 
and time and energy into the work that we do. Mm-hmm. That is very easy to get to that place. It is. Yep. Yeah. Um, so how can people follow along with the work that you're doing? I yeah. feel like people are listening and if they aren't already aware of you all and the great work that you do, I feel like people will probably want to follow along now, learn how they can get in touch, maybe collaborate, donate, so on and so forth. So how, how can people do that? Oh, that would be great. You can find us on social at Hispanic Access. Our website is hispanicaccess.org. You can find all of our publications, research, toolkits, all these events that I'm talking about. Maybe you even want to join one of our leadership networks and Mm -hmm. join Mm -hmm. these awesome workshops and things that we're hosting. Um, It'll be all at our website um, and we'd be happy to hear from you. (laughs) I want to take a second too and give a shout out. I do not know who works on your visuals at Hispanic Access, but they are legit amazing. So the good. toolkits that you put out and just like all of the social, it's so clean and it's so vibrant. And like the booklet about all of the places that could be protected and should be are beautiful pictures. And it just tells such an amazing story. So it's, it's, it's amazing to see the work translate into the, you know, the brochures and the outreach materials that you're doing, mm-hmm. it tells the story of these places and these communities and yeah. what these places mean to them. It is an art. I, wh- whoever on your team does <laughs> that has mastered it because yeah. like the, the last toolkit you all sent out, it, I think I saw it on a weekend even. And I try to respect Sarah's boundaries, but I texted her and I was like, <laughs> I was like, look at it this. It was amazing. Oh my look God. at this toolkit. It's so beautiful and easy to use. Yes. Oh, yay. <laughs> she did. And I looked at it and I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's real. Yep. That's a shout out to our incredible communications team. Yeah. <laughs> we love them. They make yes. our lives a lot easier. <laughs> they do. <laughs> so uh, to wrap up each show, We've been asking everybody along the road trip the same series of questions. Um, So starting with, what do you think is the most pressing environmental challenge that we're faced with? There are so many. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But climate change is really it for me. Mm -hmm. It's it's here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It feels like here in Baltimore, every rain becomes an event a flood event a, yeah what are they called a sinkhole mm-hmm. <laughs> event or like ellicott city yeah. with the flooding and yeah it's terrifying yeah it becomes a lot well um this next question goes to what's gonna keep us moving through the most pressing challenges of our day which is what keeps you energized to move forward what sustains you my people, yeah. um, my pets, <laughs> yeah. and the the world around us. Just going outside at sunset and looking at the sky and taking mm-hmm. a walk. Honestly, I just remember like what a gift it is to be on this world, and mm-hmm. and that's what we need to be protecting. Yeah. yeah. So this last one is sort of a two part question that you can approach however you feel comfortable. Um, so, what is the best advice that you've ever been given, or what advice do you have for listeners? Our listeners are, we have a lot of young professionals. Mm. We have a lot of ocean advocates, HOC Mm -hmm. folks, coastal professionals. So I would, I would sort of tailor that to, um, like your younger self, 
Hmm. What might you want to tell your younger self? Yeah, maybe circling back a little bit earlier from how wild my career has been, I think I would want young people to know, especially young people of color who are trying to break into this very white field, to remember all that you can do where you are and whatever your role is inside and outside of work, family, religion, all of the pieces of your life um, have a role to play if you choose to follow mm. it. And there's never a cutoff to a career. There's no point where it's like, it's over. <laughs> there's always a chance to keep your dream going one way or another. Mm. And I think you just have to take the bad and and learn from it. That's all you can do. Yeah. I love that advice. That's, That's really powerful. I just yeah. kept nodding the whole I know. time. I feel I'm like, like, yes. I feel like we're like yes. looking at you just yes, like Shana. nodding vigorously like, yes, yes. <laughs> Tell us more. Yeah. <laughs> we're so grateful for you and Thank for your you. time and for you opening your home to us to come in here with our microphones and ask you a bunch of questions. <laughs> and now we're about to um, explore beautiful piece of nature with you and this is just such a gift um that i don't know if words can really put in really make it i don't even know see i'm stumbling over my words but um i just have an immense appreciation thank you and feeling of gratitude for you for joining us today and for all of our our partnerships yeah you know, moving moving forward it's I'm I know this is not the end of it like we'll collaborate on more things and it's always just such a joy um to work with you and and your team at Hispanic Access Foundation so thank you so much oh thank you it's absolutely my pleasure <laughs> love working with you both yay <laughs> yeah and for listeners uh our next stop is actually not that far away no Mm-mm. uh we are staying in Baltimore and um meeting with the folks at the National Aquarium so uh, Baltimore is a, a sort of the crown jewel of this road trip. It sure is. Yeah. It's getting some serious playtime. Yeah. So I don't much know if well anyone deserved. would describe Baltimore as the crown jewel of anything. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I just Ooh. did. <laughs> <laughs> that changes today. <laughs> right now. I mean, there are a lot of really great like <laughs> environmental and conservation advocates that are here. So maybe that is like Baltimore's bright and shiny oh. crown jewel. Yeah. Yeah. I genuinely, I love this city. I chose to live here very really and just want to see it better yeah (laughs) yeah well we're like ending this episode with a big hug to baltimore yeah baltimore (laughs) we heart you (laughs) we do okay thank you listeners we will check back in with you next week see you soon 